So the first in this series is why do we exist? And this question, right, why do we exist, is a question that as long as humanity has existed, we have asked that question. In fact, right, philosophers ask that question in all kinds of ways. Scientists ask that question. We, in, as individuals, ask that question. But here's the thing, so does the Bible. In fact, the Bible asks that constantly of why do we exist because it's an important question why we exist hits on our identity on our belonging how we are connected if there is a god right how does that begin to all work together this question of why do we exist was is foundational throughout human history to our lives and so how often have we especially growing up right have we asked, well, I don't know, what, why am I here, right? Why do I exist? What's the point? I get up, I, I go to work, I, I eat, I pay the bills, I go back to sleep. What in the world is, why? Why am I here? Am I here to struggle? We ask this question in all kinds of ways. Even the famous philosopher Rene Descartes in the 1600s, he, the very foundation of some of his philosophy, I think therefore I am, right? Of trying to get at this sense of existence. It's why we study the cosmos. It's why we study biology and chemistry. Why we study all kinds of sciences because we're trying to get at this question. And so today, as we begin this endeavor, first I wanna say, like, if, if you think you're gonna have a solid, simple answer, whoa, we, we gotta back that up, right? Thousands of years we've pursued this. So my hope today is that we actually gain a little bit of knowledge, that we get challenged in how we think about it so that we can have better conversations, so that we can actually begin to dig a little deeper because this question of, existence of identity and belonging really is something the big three part of the big three questions that all teenagers and young adults have that kind of eat at us at different points in our life and so my hope is that we will gain a little bit of wisdom gain a little bit of knowledge gain maybe even a different way of thinking about it and we're going to do that with looking at Genesis 1 and you're like wait a minute a creation story hold up it's got some wisdom in there for us. And just a reminder, there are many creation stories throughout the biblical text. Genesis 1 actually was written after Genesis 2. Genesis 1 has a universality kind of to it. It's one that is very much about seeing God as one who creates order out of chaos. But we're going to pair that with other pieces of scripture throughout, whether that's gonna be Isaiah or something out of the New Testament, just to kind of give us a sense of how have people throughout time, throughout the Bible, actually wrestled with this question. In fact, I even put the question from Psalms on the front of the bulletin this morning. It comes from Psalm 89, verse 47. Remember how short my life is, have you created humans for no good reason? Why'd you create? Why do I exist? 
Why? Life is hard. There is suffering in this world. What is the point of any of it? And so here we go, getting into it with Genesis 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth and all the crawling things on earth. Ephesians 2.10. Instead, we are God's accomplishment, created in Christ Jesus to do good things. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. All right, so a couple things here. First, this Genesis 1.26. If we've ever heard we are created in the image of God, this is where it comes from. Let us make humanity in our image. Also, that our image is the beginning of, you may have heard of Trinitarian language, like God is one in three, three in one. God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or creator, redeemer, sustainer. Well, that's where it comes from, but that's really kind of a different conversation from what we're having today. But I want us to back up to being created in the image of, and that they take charge of the fish, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. Here in this moment, we get this sense that we are intimately connected to God. All right, so created in our image. Like there, there's a sense of connection, of collaboration when it says our, that we are created in community. We are created in collaboration. We are wanted. And this Ephesians 2.10 kind of gives us a little more perspective of, okay, how does that begin to work? How do we begin to understand that? Because, right, we're supposed to care for, may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on the earth. The sense of we are created in collaboration to take part in, to help, to be responsible for others, for all of creation. And we get this sense with Ephesians 2.10, we are God's accomplishment, created in the image of, to take care of, created in Christ Jesus, to do good things, to care for creation. God planned for these good things to be the way that we live our lives. To, to kind of think about that, right? To kind of back up and to think about how we begin to answer our existence of thinking through, okay, well, what would it mean to have a foundation of our existence, of how we begin to think about that question from a place of we are an accomplishment, we are God's accomplishment created in collaboration to do good things, to take care of creation, to take care of the world around us, that our existence is tied to that kind of notion. Does it begin to kind of help us think a little bit differently, right? It begins to move us out of, well, let's see, I live, I work, I eat, I pay bills, I die, is that all there is? It begins to move us into a, a different focus in our lives of, okay, so what if I exist? What if I was created uh, and I'm an accomplishment? I'm an accomplishment meant to do good things, meant to care for others, to care for the world around us, right? It begins to kind of shift our questions 
kind of shift our journey of where we're going. Continuing on in verse 27 of Genesis 1, God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. All right. First John 4, 7, dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. So first, 20, this verse 27 is actually reiterating verse 26. It's almost like it's really hard to kind of get it into us of how we are connected, of being reminded that we are God's accomplishment, that we are meant to do good things, and that if we're like, well, okay, how do we begin to think through that if our existence is tied to that? And here, 1 John 4, 7 really gives us a sense with, dear friends, let's love each other because love is from God and everyone who loves, everyone who loves is born from God and knows God. So that sense of we are created in love by one who loves, by God who loves to love. We are created in love to love, to care for. Our existence comes from a place of being wanted. We all have stories of how our life began. And maybe we know those stories. Maybe we have those stories of how our parents fell in love. Maybe we have different stories. Maybe we have stories where, you know, there was a sense of not being wanted or there was a sense of struggle. There was a sense of, eh, well, look what happened. And here, God is taking all of those stories that we have, whether we know them or not. Maybe we don't know our story from the beginning and saying, I've got a story for you. Here's what I want to be the beginning of your story, of all of our stories, is that we were created in love to love others. And to think about how that kind of permeates and kind of how that sets up, especially if you've got a story of a beginning where you're not sure exactly, or it's a struggle, there are challenges, it's uncomfortable, maybe you don't feel wanted by. Here, God's like, Okay, I've got a story for you. I've got your beginning. That when we are connected to God, we are connected because God wanted us. God created us out of love. That like love burst forth and we were created in that to love one another. No matter what our family of origin story might be, here God's like, here's what you can hold on to. And so to begin to think about that with our existence, that we exist to do those things, that it begins to kind of change our narrative, change our story, change what we focus upon. Because if we focus upon certain things, it may leave us kind of feeling empty or not feeling like we've got much worth. And here God's like giving it to us, giving it, saying, wait, you were created in love to love. That is your story. That is part of our story no matter what. 
no matter the circumstances that begin to swirl around us, no matter the questions that we have, no matter the disruptions and the challenges, that we get this sense that we were created in love to love. Continuing on in verse 28 of chapter 1, God blessed them and said, be fertile and multiply, fill the earth and master it, take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and every thing crawling on the ground. John 17, 13. Now I'm coming to you and I say these things while I'm in this world so that they can share completely in my joy. All right, so verse 28 of Genesis 1 sometimes gets interpreted and isn't always kind of helpful. It's like, no, you're supposed to be fertile and multiply. It says it right here. But what if we take that and think about it a little bit differently? That we are fertile in love, that we are bursting, thriving, because we are created in love, that we want to share it and multiply it out. We want to make sure that other people know that they are loved. We want to make sure other people get to share in this sense that we are wanted and loved. Think about that as part of our existence. That it's not just something that we get to hold on to ourselves, but we're going to actually share it out to others. We're going to multiply it so that other people know it, so that other people get that sense, so that other people know that there is a better way of living and being in this world that is cradled in something that is of love instead of, well, that's not really what I wanted. Uh, you haven't lived up to, uh, I don't know, what are you worth? Or our existence being tied to our jobs, our achievements, our grades, our abilities, right? When we begin to think about identity, when we begin to think about why we exist, when we begin to latch on, well, I am meant to be a successful fill in the blank. Maybe we reach it, maybe we don't, and we still don't quite feel fulfilled. So here with the beginning of this story in Genesis, with this beginning of thinking through what are we connected to? How are we connected to love? How are we connected to that in our existence? And now being challenged to multiply it out, to share it with others so that other people begin to know it. When we begin to engage in that kind of conversation, I guess is understanding who we are begins to shift and change ever so slightly begins to actually take on a new dimension that maybe we didn't even expect when our existence is tied to making sure and helping multiplying it out we then get this sense of joy right because John 17, 13, now I'm coming to you. So this is Jesus, or it, these are the words of Jesus that get attributed to him. And I say these things while I'm in this world so that they can share completely in my joy. It's this sense that the way that Jesus was living and being in the world, and we get this, this whole thing about Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us, that God is 
present with us in Jesus and that the way Jesus lived by healing, feeding, being fully present, listening, being that presence of saying, no, you really are loved. You really are worthy of challenging the understanding of who we are, who we are in this world, how we can be present in this world, how we can act and react. And when we engage in the way that he lived, we get a sense of joy. And so to think back then for ourselves of when we're thinking about our very existence of why do we exist, of our identity, what part not only does love play, but how are we living into that joy? Because Jesus is like, I'm here to share the joy. I'm here to share a different way of living and being in the world no matter what. So to begin to think about that for ourselves, if our existence is tied to things like love and multiplying it out, if our existence is tied to joy, how are we living that? How are we realizing that? How are we focusing on that? Continuing on in Genesis 1, 29 through 30. Then God said, I now give to you all the plants on the earth that yield seeds and all the trees whose fruit produces its seeds within it. These will be your food to all wildlife, to all the birds in the sky, to everything crawling on the ground, to everything that breathes. I give all the green grasses for food. And that's what happened. Psalm 35, 27. Let those who want things to be set right for me shout for joy and celebrate. Let them constantly say, the Lord is great. God wants his servant to be at peace. So that Genesis 29 through 30, we get this sense that God provides. And we could go, okay, what is God providing? Well, in those verses, it's specifically saying sustenance. Right? Sustenance that's needed to flourish for humans and for animals. And we could go through, okay, what are the real needs of our lives? Right? We do need food. We need air. We need water. We need shelter. And we could debate, right? Because humans, we have a hard time sometimes securing some of those things or all of those things. And that, that again, is a, a, a piece of a discussion but what this passage is really hammering at is that when we were created as an accomplishment to do good things, to love, to share into joy, that we were provided an abundance to be able to do it. A sense of being provided an abundance of things. And if we're looking through scripture, if we're, if we're hanging out, if we're looking through, we're going to notice certain things, right? And even this Psalm, Psalm 35, 27, God wants his servant to be at peace. The sense of an abundance. What is abundant? God gives love. God has mercy. God has forgiveness. God gives joy. God gives peace. Maybe those aren't the things that immediately come to mind of, well, I want to identify with, I want to be, I exist to. It's not quite the glamorous, right? Instagram famous, bank account numbers, what cars we drive, the titles that we get, the goals that we make. But here, 
Here there's something different about that abundance. It's giving us a retooling, a shifting in thinking through because it can be so easy to dismiss these words of love, peace, and joy. And you may be thinking, wait a minute, didn't you spend a whole time, like a whole series, Advent, looking at each of those things? And yes, we did from a different perspectives, understanding it. How does it work for ourselves today? And here, here we're being challenged to not be dismissive of those things because often, right, we can feel like the world is falling apart. Maybe we feel like the world is falling apart right now, right? It, it, there is enough despair going around. We see the pain and suffering in this world. We, we see people making decisions and we're like, oh, that's going to be painful, right? And it's like, we can't, there's nothing we can do about it, right? Because we can't change other people. We can only deal with ourselves. We can only deal with our own reactions. And so there's this sense of everything is out of control and things aren't going the way we want it to. And so what's the purpose? Why do I exist? Why? It feels like I can't do anything. And here's that reminder of God's abundance. That that love is constant. That that peace and joy are constantly being offered if we will take notice. If we will take notice. Because it can provide a foundation for our existence. It can provide a foundation of who we are in this world. Not to say it, it completely encapsulates who we are. There are multiple things that go into our sense of identity, our sense of belonging, our sense of understanding why we exist. But what if this becomes the foundation? What if we don't dismiss it so easily? Because it's easy. It's easy to focus upon the hate and dismiss the love. It's easy to see the violence and unrest and to dismiss the possibility that peace is real. It's also easy to dismiss joy when everything isn't going our way. This struggle, this struggle of understanding who we are in these moments, whether they are good, whether we like them or we don't, here we're being challenged to not be dismissive of certain things. It's interesting because the Israelites often, often when things got difficult, often when things were not going their way or how they thought they should be going, they would dismiss so much about who they were with God. We're going to continue on with Genesis 1:31. God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. There was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Isaiah 48, 17 through 19. The Lord your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, proclaims, I am the Lord your God who teaches you for your own good, who leads you in the way you should go. If you would pay attention to my commands, your well-being would be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would be like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their names would, be, would never be eliminated, never wiped out from before me. The Genesis 1 account. 
ends with God saw everything he had made. It was supremely good. And I really want us to hold on to that phrase, especially as we go through the questions for the next several weeks of thinking about everything that God created was supremely good. We are God's accomplishment created to do good things, to begin to think about our very existence in that foundation of love, to do good, to care for, to multiply out. And then, and then we get this Isaiah passage. And what's important to know about the Isaiah passage, the Israelites are having a hard time. The Israelites are questioning their existence. They are questioning their identity of who they are and how they belong. And they are questioning that because all the ways, all of the ways that they had that dismantled that because they were taken from their homes and they were shipped off to a new land, all of those things that they used to rely upon to understand who they are and how they belong in this world have been absolutely destroyed. And so they are having to rebuild from the ground up. They are having to think through from the very beginning, okay, what is the purpose? What, how, why do I exist? What is my identity? How do I belong? Because what they had put their faith in, what they had used to anchor themselves is gone. And so think about these verses in that context again. If you would pay attention to my commands, your well-being would be like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your offspring would be like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their name would never be eliminated, never wiped out from before me. And so now these words are challenging the Israelites, challenging them to be like, hey, wait a minute, you've been focused upon this is who you are. This is all the bad things happening. This is not what you like. And here God goes, Okay, we need to focus on that you are my accomplishment, created in love, to love, to care for the world around. And if you will listen, right, God's challenging the Israelites, us to listen. If you will follow, if you will try, if you will dig in, you might find something. You might find something about who you are that is so powerful it's like the waves of the sea that is so life-giving that it's like a river that your well-being would be like a river that not only is good for the self but feeds and flourishes with everything that it comes in contact with that this conversation of our existence this conversation of identity and belonging this conversation of understanding who we are that is connected to God. Your offspring would be like the sand and your descendants like its grains. Their names would never be eliminated, never be wiped out before me. It's that sense that it would live on. That the way that we conduct our lives, especially when there is love, especially when we are trying to figure out how to multiply that for others, when we are trying to care for creation, when our identity gets a foundation in all of that, it begins to carry forth beyond us.
It can live on well beyond us, well beyond our very lives. This conversation of why do we exist, this conversation around identity and belonging of who we are in this world, why we exist is one that isn't meant for us to just keep it and go over it in our heads constantly, but is meant to be one that is shared in conversation with one another. We live in a world currently where it is a struggle, where we have these conversations, but where we have these thoughts in our head, but we do not have the conversations. And so here we get challenged by all of these passages in scripture to go, are we having this conversation? Because we need to be having this conversation with our children, our grandchildren, our nieces, our nephews, our grandparents, our parents, our friends, our strangers. What would it mean if we began to wonder with one another? Wonder in curiosity on this journey. Wonder about why do we exist in conversation with one another? What new realities, what new understandings might we all of a sudden gain? What new words, what new perspectives might we not only gain for ourselves, but be able to share with others so that we can multiply this love out? Amen.